0: What we decided we wanted to do was to really take the best attributes of both companies and be proud of both our history that brought us to where we were, understand who each company was right now, but also think about who it is we aspire to be.
1: Hello, and welcome to The Talent Blueprint, your guide to building a talent-first company. Today's episode features an interview with Deanne King, Chief Human Resources Officer at T-Mobile. The Talent Blueprint is brought to you by Beamery. Beamery's talent lifecycle management platform makes it possible for companies to deliver more human talent experiences and unlock the skills and potential of their global workforce using industry-leading
2: AI. Hello and welcome everybody. Welcome to this week's installment of the Talent Blueprint. I'm your host Sultan Saidov, and today we have the wonderful Deanne King the EVP and Chief Human Resources Officer at T-Mobile joining us. Deanne, welcome.
0: Thank you. Glad to be here, Sultan.
2: Really glad to have you here. Deanne, let's dive right in with our first segment, What's Your Talent? Tell me about your role at T-Mobile and the work that you're doing there.
0: Well, as the chief human resources officer, I always say, I think I have the best job in the company. And I have this amazing pleasure of working with such a great team across HR, our employee experience, and I also have responsibility for our real estate portfolio. And so we serve 75,000 T-Mobile employees nationwide, and it's such a great team. I'm part of an incredible, I have to say, actually senior leadership team. Several of us who've been in the industry for most of our careers, but we've all moved around and had lots of different experiences and positions, which gives us really great insight and experiences. I personally am not an HR expert by trade. I joined Sprint more than 32 years ago as a IT programmer who knew that I would end up going from IT into HR but it was such great work and I've been in probably every different organization across the company and it has given me such a great perspective on the business and how employees work differently and what motivates them. And I think, honestly, I've probably been training for this job for probably my entire career. And of course, our CEO, Mike siebert he is such a wonderful champion for our people and for our customers. And he really sets the tone of this just amazing culture that challenges us every day to do more, to do better and really love on our customers. And I have to say, since our merger to almost now three years ago, which came at the same time as the pandemic, I personally have been really focused on ensuring our employees just feel the love and the support and have learning and development opportunities that they need to be successful and really feel part of this new company and this great inclusive culture.
2: I can see how it would be a very rewarding place and role to be in and navigating such a major brand and business through such turbulent times and times in which the expectations of people as consumers and as employees have been changing so rapidly. What's the most rewarding part of your role in navigating all of that?
0: Well, a lot, quite frankly. First, you always read about how mergers fail. Sadly, I've been a part of mergers or acquisitions over time that haven't really lived up to their promise. But being part of what I think is the largest merger in our industry and getting really close now to closing in on what we believe is arguably the most successful integration and coming off record multiple years of incredible performance and really doing it in what I would say is less than ideal conditions and writing the chapter now on how successful mergers can be done. It's definitely gonna be in my box of things that I would say were both hard, but also incredibly rewarding There are always three things that are important to me in my job. I have to like the people and the work I do. I want to be paid fairly. I think most people would say that. Most importantly, I want to make a difference or really have an impact. And this is the one that gets me out of bed every morning. And in this role, I feel like I have such an opportunity to truly change lives and create spaces for our people to be their very best. And I think in this job as a CHRO, I actually have hit the lottery on all of those things. I often think about the wireless industry and how a cell phone wasn't originally considered a necessity. It wasn't really like life or death. Many years ago, if you dropped a call or something happened, it wasn't a big deal. But if you fast forward to where we are now after the pandemic, I think our industry has such a critical role And it plays such a tremendous piece of importance in people's lives. They need it to connect with humans. They rely on it to educate their kids. Imagine if your watch can't notify medical responders that you need help. For many people now, our industry has actually become life and death. And it's so incredibly important. And I think that shift has made a huge impact on me as a leader and now understanding both how important and essential our work has really become.
2: It's a fascinating example of how much more responsibility you carry when you save lives and have that level of impact. You mentioned on writing about successful mergers. This is something we're hearing about as a theme a lot more now, especially as more companies are starting to consider mergers or will require mergers in this sort of recessionary environment. And this takes us nicely to our next segment, Building Talent First Organizations. The Sprint T-Mobile merger happened in the swing of the pandemic, but the level of uncertainty of how to connect your workforce plan, your hiring plan, your retention plan in the middle of that kind of merger and everything else must've been a fascinating experience to live through. What was the biggest opportunity you saw when the merger was first in full swing and how did you approach the opportunity in that situation?
0: So a little bit of background, I was in the CHR role at Sprint prior to the deal closing, but I'd only been in that role for probably 12 to 18 months prior to our deal actually closing. And many, many years prior to that, I was in more of an operations customer experience integration type role. So going into the integration and closing the deal, I wasn't sure what role I would actually end up playing in the company. And I found myself migrating towards business and people type of work. I was asked to step into this role. One of the things that our former Sprint CEO had said to me was one of the reasons that they wanted me to take this role and consider taking the role here at T-Mobile was an opportunity to help bring these two companies together. That's a huge challenge because, as I said, you often read about those companies that are not successful with that kind of work happens. But it was also in my mind, I think what was a once in a lifetime opportunity, figuring out the best way to bring these two huge companies together, different cultures, different locations. We did a lot of work planning and leading up to and working side by side, but we weren't one team yet until April 1st. But what we decided we wanted to do was to really take the best attributes of both companies and be proud of both our history that brought us to where we were, understand who each company was right now, but also think about who it is we aspire to be. And it wasn't easy because culture is really kind of built over time. And so we we launched our values and our mission and our vision during those times. And we're in the process actually right now of kind of going back to that. Because doing that from people's basements and kitchens and bathrooms and wherever it was that people were working during the time, it's just different when you can actually get people in a room and you can talk about it and you can see and live examples every day of how those values are. I'm really proud of the culture that we have. And I think a lot of that is because we listen a lot to our people. We listen to our employees. What do they need? Whether it's benefits, whether it's support education, tuition, health, whatever it might be. Even in the most recent challenging environment, we've continued to listen and make adjustments and things like fertility and surrogacy and adoption benefits and mental health services. Something that has always been important has been so critically important over the past couple of years. And then during the middle of the pandemic, when parents had to be teachers and work, you know, we provided a lot of online services for kids and for parents to also help our parents have a little bit of a break and help them with their children. So I think just an incredible opportunity.
2: I love the extent to which you focused on cultural alignment as that first pillar in the merger, which is obviously so key in itself and so the risk of what goes wrong and the listening side of getting that right, especially when you're joining such a massive organization and creating this merged entity at a time when everybody else's needs and situations changing. What were some of the other risks that you considered culture risks when you were trying to navigate how to prioritize your early decisions during the early days of the post-merger and when you first started in the role?
0: Culture is, I think, such a critical part of what makes companies great. But we also found during that time that we would actually use the same words to describe something, but they actually meant very, very different things. So let me give you an example. Both legacy companies would use the word innovators as part of descriptions of who we are and what we're proud of. T-Mobile was in a growth period. And so innovation was really about winning more customers' hearts growing our success, our subscribers, introducing new products and services. They didn't always have time to figure everything out and build it technologically. They could just throw people at it. The Sprint team also described themselves as innovators, but we were innovating for very different reasons. We were innovating for survival. And so T-Mobile is innovating to thrive, Sprint's innovating to survive, and the underlying attributes and how you actually did that work was very, very different. That was one of the things that I think we learned along the way is that some of these things, we had to really dig the next layer deep because what people would say at surface level sounded very aligned, but the underlying behaviors, how we would have worked or decisions we would make or the cultures were kind of unique.
2: You mentioned this uh, really interesting difference between the cultures and the messaging and the wording that you have to think about when you're bringing two groups together. What does that look like within the organization and, for example, frontline employees and office employees. How do you think about getting the right focus, either in terms of programs or messaging, to ensure employees are thriving and growing? And is there a difference between those internal groups
0: and how you approach that? We're very focused on creating this culture of growth and employees really being able to be their best self, their whole self to work. We really want to know who you are. We want to know about your family, your hobbies, your passions. We don't want this just to be a place that you come and you spend your eight hours a day and you punch the clock and you go out. I'm a living example of this, I would say, is we really want our talent to come to T-Mobile for a job, but stay for a career. When I started this, at this company 32 years ago, I had no idea I would be here. I mean, I kind of laughed. My dad was you know, one of those lifers at a company. And I remember thinking, like, who's going to stay at a company for their entire life? But I've been one, a great example of someone who's had probably 10 or 15 different careers over those 32 years, all within the same company. And in order to do that, I think we have to really encourage and provide this concept of constant learning and find ways for our employees to grow internally. And that doesn't always mean grow up. It could mean grow across and learn new skills. Um, I think we do that phenomenally well here and are always challenging ourselves to do more and do better. We have lots of development programs. Lots of companies have that. I think we have some pretty innovative ones. We also do a lot of rotational assignments, stretch assignments, where employees really can network and can work in different areas of the business. And through that, they start to develop relationships. They have a greater appreciation for what we call kind of that left to right work versus within your own team and the silos. I think I would probably be remiss here if I didn't also talk about the other part of my job, which is in real estate. I think our real estate team and their partners have to be some of the best out there We've made massive investments to our spaces, especially coming out of the pandemic with a more flexible workforce. And what we have found is what people come to the offices to do now are very different and require different spaces to do it in. And even in our frontline teams, like we call them our CECs or our customer experience centers, these centers have gyms and game rooms and mother's rooms and theaters and places to reflect and practice your faith, and places to eat, shops and stores. I could just go on and on and on. And they're hard jobs, but we want our employees in these spaces to really feel our support and our love and be able to unwind a little bit. And let's face it, work is hard, but we try to celebrate a lot and have a lot of fun every single day.
2: I love your phrasing around coming for a job and staying for a career and the growing across mindset to to enable that across all these different groups. One of the things that we are seeing a lot of organizations struggling with is taking those insights of where do people need support in learning and growing into account when trying to establish good organizational planning. Especially over the last three years, it's been pretty hard to forecast in most businesses these problems have been amplified compared to what they were pre-pandemic. And the mixed questions around, you know, how do we look internally to fill some of our new needs? How do we take into account some of those internal developments and rotations in our planning processes? More important than ever. I imagine it's a particularly acute challenge to create good forecasting across the board and understanding sort of the gaps in current talent versus how you navigate those growth paths. How do you think about the gap areas in your talent base, and making forecasts around this.
0: I would just throw out there that if anybody's figured it out, give me a shout because uh, I have to tell you this is a huge priority for us. We have been so focused over the past two two and a half years, really on just integrating these two companies, bringing our networks together, and now we're actually spending time thinking about kind of the next chapter of the uncarrier and who we are and what's important. And it's a tough job for any company, like you said, especially one that is of our size. I also think that the talent landscape has changed so much and it's going to continue to evolve. And you just mentioned the trends in the economy, our unemployment rates, this war for talent. All of these things are really testing our brand and our methods and things that we've always historically relied on. I think the competition we're all experiencing for talent is incredibly fierce. And I also would say the skills and talent that we have today are probably not going to be the skills and the type of talent that we're going to need in the future. And I think technology is going to play just an incredible role. I think more now than ever, we have to be very intentional in both how we attract the talent to be really competitive in our value proposition to attract the right talent and to also simultaneously invest in and develop our own internal people so that they can have those lifelong careers. Coming out of our integration period of this merger, this is a huge focus as we move into kind of the next three to five years
2: you've touched on for all of our customers, a focus area in terms of attraction and in terms of retention and growth, with a key question in the middle of it, which is, how do we think about skills? Like the example you gave of the skills we have today are not what we're going to have in the future. You know, There's a customer of ours is a Fortune 50 company, and the way they framed it is very similar to you. They said, we believe that five years from now, probably up to 50% of the roles we have will not be the same skill sets we have today, which means that up to 50% of our people won't have a place in the company we are five years from now. What we don't know is which people, and we don't know how many of them will be able to grow and learn and develop during that timeframe. It's a really tricky question because some of that stuff is unknown. Technology can't help tell you what the world will be five years from now. But there are certain things that people are starting to think about in terms of de-risking and looking at data differently. And a lot of the reasons this has been hard boils down to the fact that HR systems have been built around processes like payroll onboarding applications and less built around People data and skill data. And so it's a pretty big lift to try and create this kind of mindset of, well, what skills do we have and how do we make reporting and insights around this that pretty much every company around the world is trying to tackle at the same time right now. And certainly there are some really interesting success stories. There's other episodes where people talk about their approaches. But it's an exciting time to be more human centric in how we think about that data and our attraction and hiring full potential and growing that potential and capturing, well, what is potential? How do we? Think about that data and that that experience in a much more human way. You know, given the extent of focus that you have on creating such an excellent experience for your employees and thinking about your EVP, how would you put the human in human resources? What's your approach and what advice would you give to others to do the same?
0: It's a great question. You're so spot on. One of the things that I'm really proud of when we created this organization is we created a dedicated employee experience team. And I remember um, early on, a lot of folks on my team and other parts were like, what is employee experience team and what do they really do? And this team, uh, honestly, they spent the first probably two years really trying to support our employees through COVID and through the pandemic. But now they really started to spend a lot of time understanding the entire employee journey and constantly kind of measuring our progress and using things like data, but not just data from you know our employee engagement surveys. But looking at data and rewards and recognition and how those people, what their journeys look like differently than maybe somebody who doesn't get rewarded and recognized very much. Looking at things like even attendance data are those that are coming into the office having a different experience in their employee journey. And when you start to really triangulate all of this data in different ways, you can start to create personas and understand what's really, really, really important to people. And what we've learned is that creating this inclusive culture and creating a sense of belonging is really, really important to our people. We've prioritized our DEI, our Diversity, Equity, Inclusion investment, and using that as one of the key levers that our employees are using around building the sense of belonging. We have 45 local DEI chapters across the U.S. representing all of our employee resource groups: Pride, Women and Allies, Veterans, Accessibility, and so many more of those. And we have over 40 percent of our employees that are part of these ERGs. And that makes me so proud. And I really would like it to be like 80% or 90% of our employees that are really engaged there. We also created, and it's part of this employee experience team, what we call a community team. And this community team is really there to support our employees to do things like take a break sometimes from the day-to-day work and engage and connect with coworkers through maybe activities that are like kind of odd. Sometimes we host interactive programs like desk yoga or cooking classes, or we do like cultural tours and we go visit international spaces and places and all kinds of things. And I mentioned previously during the pandemic when we heard our parents really struggling, we created a program called Magenta Kids and we provide tons of resources, including some great T-Mobile swag To all of our kids, we had story time. We have all different kinds of activities and resources for our employees as parents, but also as their children. I've never worked at a company. I am biased because I'm a part of this great company that just has so many amazing resources to help wherever they are and whatever they need, which makes my team's job so much easier in supporting and loving and really helping our employees
2: the way in which you've married the focus on employee experience and listening with this focus on inclusion and diversity, it reminds me of one of the most commonly asked questions for HR and talent teams over the last couple of years has been, how do we attract diverse talent? Where do we source diverse talent? And the answer is usually to ask a different question, which is, how do we authentically create a proposition that showcases our approach um, to inclusion because that is attractive and that is also right. going to help retain and grow that talent. With these different programs that get unlocked when you have all of these insights from employees and what they want to do, I imagine there's been a lot of options for what to prioritize in terms of implementation. Is there any program that you have been particularly proud of in your time at T-Mobile?
0: There's actually a number of programs. I'll give you a couple of examples in particular. One of the ones that we heard and it came about in advance of, but also around the same time of the Roe v. Wade situation that came about in our country, And it was really around this fertility and surrogacy benefits. And I believe what we had were great benefits. And, you know, we listened to our ERG groups and what they told us is, no, we need to do better. We need to do more. And the programs that we have now and the way that we support our people, you know, you're not handed off, you're not dropped after you spend a certain amount of money. Our job is to make sure that you're either able to carry a child, adopt a child, have a surrogate, you know, deliver a child, whatever it is, if that's important to you, then our job is to make sure that we can make that happen. We also, we went to this hybrid workforce and we've been very intentional also in creating what we call these centers of gravities in different locations around the country and also creating work so that these types of work groups work closely together in certain centers of gravity around our geographical footprint. And we heard from our veterans group, we have an initiative to hire 10,000 military vets and our spouses or partners. And what we heard was great, however, if I'm a military spouse, I can't always control where I work. I often have to move from one location to another based on where my spouse or partner is getting deployed. And so your policy around being in these centers of gravity are really restrictive to us. Is there any flexibility? And we said, heck, yeah, absolutely. So we spent a lot of time really listening and understanding what's important. Two weeks ago, I was in one of our customer experience centers. We had a big all-hands meeting, and I had an employee come up to me afterwards. And she said to me, hey, I don't know if you know this, but I am a little bit on the autism spectrum. And being in this environment is really exciting, but it's really overwhelming. And I love my job. I love coming to the center every day, but it's really hard for me to focus. And so one of the things that we're starting to look at now is, is there a way to create in these spaces, maybe a little, a version of our CECs that are maybe a little bit better for some of our folks that may have some of those neurodiversity challenges. And we won't know those things if we're not listening to and really talking to our employees to hear what's important to them.
2: I love the breadth of the examples there. It's a really important time for these types of initiatives to have a voice because there's also so many other leaders and companies out there looking for inspiration of how do you start this and how do we capture these voices and turn those into programs. And it's great to see you, you leading by example. Uh, takes us nicely to our next segment. Where do you take these things in the future and what could be better? Deanne, if you fast forward five years, what do you think are the biggest things that will change in the world of talent?
0: I think this is so hard, honestly, because I don't think anyone's really good at predicting the future. I'll speak to our industry in particular. It's the one I'm most familiar with. It was really at the brink of what I call exponential change. And I think technology and data is going to play just a massive role here, both in the skills that our talent have to have to be successful, but also as we develop and we also go in and acquire new talent And I think the experiences that attract and retain that talent is going to be very, very different than what it is today. I'm not sure I have a prediction of what that will actually look like, but it's clear to me that what we're doing today won't be enough in five years, probably won't be enough in one or two years, to be honest. I do believe that technology is going to just play a massive role in taking the repetition out of the jobs. And we're going to need people that have skills around connecting people and letting our computers and our technology really enable us with superpowers to anticipate our customer needs and have our employees spending the time solving these really hard, meaty problems, not being the experts that have access to 10 or 15 different systems that we don't let our customers have. I think that's going to be a huge shift for all of us.
2: I love the way you framed that. We can't predict the future. I mean, we can't even predict the weather, but also... (laughs) a lot of exciting and interesting things coming together. We, we might not know exactly when and where they'll land, but things are rapidly accelerating. You know, One of the ways we've looked at this at Beamery is we can look at the world of how the customer experience has changed. Does an organization have an incredibly thoughtful experience both on the survival side of what you do for customers and the experience in general? And one of the questions we ask ourselves is, what would the world look like if we could treat talent like customers? And I think increasingly, those the quality of those experiences is converging. So similar. I agree. Couldn't agree more. Well, Deanne, thank you so much for this amazing conversation. It's great to have you.
0: Thank you,
1: Sultan. My pleasure. The Talent Blueprint is brought to you by Beamery. Beamery's Talent Lifecycle Management Platform makes it possible for enterprises to drive more human talent experiences and unlock the skills and potential of their global workforce with industry-leading AI. Beamery optimizes every step of the talent lifecycle, from sourcing and identifying talent with the right skills and potential, to building and marketing your employment brand, creating an internal talent marketplace, and mobilizing your employees through getting the reporting and talent insights that you need to make better decisions about your workforce. Are you ready to unlock your talent? Learn more at beemery.com